welcome to Clay is a Four Letter Word. Thanks for uh, listening or watching. Uh, um, to Ben, thanks for uh, hanging out with me tonight. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, um, so this is uh, Ben Belgrad. You're the owner of Drinking Vessels, and we haven't really met in person. We're kind of new. We're kind of new Insta friends, and you're kind of repping me in your in your gallery. So I thought it would be kind of cool to have your perspective. It was kind of like you know kind of the collector glass kind of you know not my typical ceramics guest but i feel like you have a lot of cool things to talk about and a lot of value that you can add to my listeners so cool so um i guess start off just kind of like introduce yourself and kind of what's your story and wherever you want to start you can start from you know kindergarten or wherever nice well yeah thanks for giving me the opportunity to rep your work i think it's probably been about two or three months now that I've been getting kind of releases from you as they come out of the kiln. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awesome. I, I sold a bunch from the first batch and I'm getting ready to release the second batch. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a glass artist and I, uh, I blow glass here in Colorado, but I'm also a distributor or like a broker for maybe like 50 to 100 artists around the country. And that's primarily borosilicate glass artists, but also soft glass, ceramics, wood, really anything that fits into the category of drinking vessels, handmade drinkware. Nothing is mass produced. Nothing is machine made. It's all, you know, artisanal, handmade, one of a kind pieces. Um, and so cool. I produce shows around the country in different galleries or event spaces um, that are focused around drinkware. Uh-huh. I sell a bunch online in daily auctions or flash sales or mystery boxes, um, kind of just depending on the theme of the day. Mug Monday, you can pretty much expect to get a mug of some kind. Um, you know, I, I drop in some clues and I, I try and make it like a game for everybody so it's, you know, engaging and, and more than just another Instagram feed trying to sell shit. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that you have a unique approach on kind of making it engaging on different levels and just like, Hey, click the link in my bio and buy something. So that's yeah. cool. And I, every single day I'm trying to link to other artists, promote other artists, you know, especially across drinkware, but also as I'll show you around my studio, like my studio is full of street art and like contemporary art and like uh, 2d as well as 3d art in addition to the stuff that we make here. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and you know, it's really important to me to like highlight those artists and kind of shout them out and drive traffic to them because they're really a part of my creative process. Uh, It's us against the world, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like the artists have to unite and especially, you know, there's like the, there's like the 2d fine artist. And then there's these kind of us that live in the, we're kind of in the craft world, but we're kind of in the fine art world and we kind of make functional work, but at the same time we're making art and we can kind of play with the what do you want to call us what do you want to call me today like it depends on who i'm talking to like yeah sure i'm a potter i'm a ceramic artist i'm an artist i'm a teacher whatever absolutely (laughs) yeah and as an artist myself i've been um obviously as you can relate i've been overwhelmed by the things that go along with being an artist that aren't making the art so marketing promoting networking packaging selling shipping you know that stuff takes up so much of my time yeah myself i fucking hate shipping i hate shipping so much i fucking hate it when i'm like oh i'm so stoked i sold something but i'm like fuck 
So for the first time, I brought someone on to help me with the kind of day-to-day operations. Oh, cool. But I'm also providing that service to like this group of 50 artists in addition to myself because mm-hmm. I recognize that as kind of a, a negative space that was um, needing to be filled. Yeah. It was cool you kind of taking on like a leadership role, kind of like I want to be the one to like sure steer the ship kind of. Sure. And yeah, it's cool. I don't know, you know, drinkware is really cool to me. I It, it evolved for me out of the pipe art scene. Okay. And, so I, I was in college and I got an apprenticeship as a glass blower and was taught how to make pipes. And that was, that was how it all began for me. Ah. And we were also selling in our gallery, other artists pipes. And so then this business model like applies to my drinkware, but I'm selling this uh, ancillary product to the pipe market that represents the same art in a, in a different shape. Hmm. I said, that's like, that's totally cool. Kind of. It's just bridging a yeah. gap. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Like inaccessible art that uh, mainstream consumers would not necessarily be interested because of its form mm-hmm. and turning it into a shape that they can identify with and appreciate. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. While still showcasing these incredible artists' talents and works. So, just like, because people, not everybody wants to buy a pipe. So, like, like make yeah. a cup and people, you can do the same art you're doing in your pipe, but do it in a different form. That Absolutely. was kind of your. That's kind of so. Is that like a thing that a lot of glass? Because I'm not that familiar with the pipe. With, the, I mean, I'm familiar with pipes on one end. You know what I mean? Like the user end. Yeah. But I'm not really familiar with like the the scene of the makers and stuff. You know, like I know like Jerome Baker. Like I know he's probably probably one of the most popular guys that's like old, been around forever. Stuff. And yeah. you know, and I and I did some glass blowing myself, but it was more like you know, in a in a in a hot shop kind of not on not on a lathe like i had a i had a roommate that did that stuff but he worked somewhere and did it but anyways so that's like a thing with like the pipe makers are starting to get into cups or has that been a thing they've been doing for a long time or before cups became a trend it was very popular and still is for pipe makers to make matching accessories to go with their pipes oh accessories are part of the smoking function and some of them are wearable jewelry or just all kinds of accessories that also thematically match their body of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the cool. most common response that I get from pipe makers when I ask about cups is that, yeah, you know, in their five to 20 year career, they've made cups for their family members for holiday gifts or for their friend's wedding or, you know, these kind of like uh, mainstream social events mm-hmm. or nuances. They have not made and sold drinkware in most cases. Mm. And so I found this niche and I, I wanted to provide an outlet for them to be able to, you know, have an audience, which for me is really growing uh, quite a bit. Trying That's really to cool. Propose, you know, this wide variety of artists, which now isn't limited to glass because there's this crossover. Mm-hmm. That's have, what's cool. The crossover, what I find to be the crossover yeah. is the best part is like get into people that wouldn't normally get into your stuff. That's kind of one of the things I'm trying to do with my, sneaker mugs i'm like well there's a huge sneakerhead culture yep. so like and, it's, and i mean i'm probably sure that's probably why it might be appealed to you because it was like a, a lot little of more the, like pop art or the pipe scene you know kind of culture is uh-huh. very into that street art and yeah. and some of them like shoes and some of them like other accessories but yeah it you know it definitely plays into the similar interests of my group of, of followers and collectors. Yeah. That's awesome. 
And that's, that's what's pretty interesting for me is that it started off as just people who appreciated pipes and were looking at cups. And then it evolved to just people who appreciate cups. And now it's become this thing where it's not just people who appreciate glass cups or pipe themed cups, but really like this bigger picture, you know, uh, yeah. culture. Yeah. So how did you, so you said you got started in glass in college. Did you go to college to blow glass or to do glass or that was just kind of a thing that happened or? No, I, I, uh, I was in college and I won a raffle on 420 at a local head shop and I met the guys who made the bong that I won and I was like, how do you learn how to blow glass? And they were like, we'll teach you. And I said, <laughs> I, I'm in college. I'm, I'm not really trying to be a glass blower. It's what like, were you going to college for? I didn't know. Oh, you were just, just like a, <laughs> just like, just, uh, yeah. Okay. Just to appease my parents and my grandfather who like yeah. paid me to go to college, you know, I, yeah. I, I like had to go to college. Did you graduate? I did. What did you, what was your major? Uh, I have the most arbitrary degree that there is. That uh, liberal it, arts? Well, so my, my, my program got absorbed into the liberal arts school, but I didn't take any of the prerequisites or, or requirements to get that degree. My school just shut down the year that I graduated and, and I got grandfathered into a liberal arts degree. Congratulations. So, you know, yeah. Oh. But like, hey, you got the paper, right? And so I was apprenticing throughout my college career. Yeah. That was probably where you learned more there than any than anywhere, I bet, in any class you took. <laughs> I was helping to run a national distribution of this pipe company and, like, sell it in our retail gallery and help produce it. And it showed me really every side of it. That's awesome. What a great education. you! What a good college education you got. But yeah, you know. Not, and, not in class, though. <laughs> and that... that uh, so I, I graduated school and I stayed in my college town for two years in Bloomington, Indiana to continue cool. apprenticing and working with my teacher. Um, so it was kind of like an extended college. Yeah. Graduate school kind of post back. Yeah. yeah. With absolutely no degree or, you know. Yeah. But that's not the degrees only matter to so much in the real world. It's like, what do you do with your degree? And. Are you able to do something that you really like? I mean, I feel like this is something you're kind of into and you really enjoy doing and you're making a living doing it. So, hey, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's yeah. the dream, you know? It's like, yeah, do something you're into. So, like, how did you start your... I mean, I can see you kind of have this cool collection. Like, how did the whole cup collection thing start? Right. So, initially, I would just make my own cups and I would try to sell them. Uh-huh. And I had the domain and the, you know, drinking vessels, the brand, right, was me. But it was, that was all it was. And I've got this, this charity project where on, um, on goblets and cups that I make as collaborations with other artists, I would donate a portion to charity based on the color theme of the cup. I still do this. So green cups plant trees and pink is for breast cancer and so on and so forth. Um, and we would like, you know, me and the artist would maybe do like a three-way split between the charity and then each of us get a portion, um, for the work. And so this was like the main project that was driving this whole thing, but I felt like drinking vessels was a bigger platform than just my own and my collaborations. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting consignment and buying cups from like a couple of my pipe making friends, um, who just frankly didn't have anywhere to sell cups and thought, you know, what the hell, let's, let's yeah, just try. Yeah, yeah. I remember I started, I started with two different guys, two of my friends from different parts of the country. And, uh, like I said, that was, that would have been like three years ago, roughly, 
maybe three-ish, three and a half. So that's about how old Drinking Vessels is? Well, no, it's about five years old. Five years old, okay. But, you know, it took me a while before I was ready to take on somebody else's. Right, right, right. Um, And now, like I said, I've got probably 50 artists at most times that are kind of cycling in and out. Um, And another few who are typically too busy for cups, but they'll give me one, you know, every now and again when they can. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it just... It just continued to like uh, snowball as as time went on to where these auctions and these, you know, this whole thing just like really grew. Like talk about like your social media, like the way you're doing your sales and like your like mystery boxes. Like what the fuck's a mystery box? Like what's the kind of like. Right. Like what's this kind of like alternative marketing campaign you're doing? Like what's your kind of like, you know, what's can you you want to get into that a little like. Yeah, absolutely. So the pipe community has following bases, you know, a pipe maker might have a following of say, you know, 5,000 people mm-hmm. to like 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. And these are like pretty engaged profiles. Mm-hmm. And over the years, the algorithm has evolved and, and kind of the exposure has changed. And you used to be able to buy followers and like really, ex- ex- you know, um, like uh, bubble, you know, make yourself look bigger than you are, inflate. Uh huh. Um, but during that time, pipes, which were, re- you know, before that they were inaccessible. There were a couple of websites online, underground sites that you could check out. But marijuana was illegal, and therefore pipe culture was counterculture and was underground. Mm-hmm. Then marijuana became legal, and it's like creeping its way across the country. And a documentary called Degenerate Art by another pipe maker came out. And this like really blew the thing open and made it much more of like a mainstream accessible medium. And so um, within that pipe community, these auctions and these, these flash sales are kind of kind of common. Oh, okay. But in the rest of the world and the people who sell stuff on Etsy and Amazon, like this is a little bit of a different. Yeah, it's kind of a new thing. Yeah, I'm not in the pipe world, so I don't, it's... Yeah. And so I'm really cool. Now, a lot of my bidders or, like, people who call dibs on my mystery boxes are more familiar with that style of purchasing from the pipe Mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. But then, as the brand has really grown, and with this network of, let's say, 50 artists, you have all these artists like yourself posting links to my page because I'm carrying your work. Yeah. So... It's not just my collectors now, but it's your collectors and these other 50 folks. Yeah. And then you get overlap where one collector is going to be into three to five artists, you know, whose style might represent their interests or their, or their you know, personal taste. Yeah. So this is what's driven my platform to both grow in numbers and also to be able to sell these things day after day. We're shipping almost, a, we're almost shipping a cup every day, if not multiple. And... Everybody wants a deal. Everybody wants, you know, uh, like before it's sold out and for a better price than retail. So the website is always there and whatever is currently available in inventory gets listed on the website. But the bottom line is that we don't have time to upload every single product on the website. And so these mystery boxes are a way for me. I don't have to pro photograph the product. I can just, I have... You know, I have X amount of $100 pint glasses and X amount of $50 shot glasses on the shelf. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. picking from whichever artist of the day. Yeah. And 
in order to move volume, I'm willing to take below retail because I haven't spent the money on my, prof my professional photographer. I haven't spent the time uploading the product on the website and dealing with all the... Yeah, it's the time. It's time. It's legit. It's time. It's all time, yeah. Okay, so if it's as quick as me posting a mystery box and people are... They're, they're not seeing what they're getting, but they're also knowing that they're getting a better deal than they would if they just clicked on the they, website. They trust you. And, it, and it's a game, and it's fun, and it's engaging. And once you've yeah. done it once, I've got about... I've got less than 5% of my people upset with what they get. And sure, sure it happens from time to time, but it's yeah. like very uncommon. That's so cool. if you fall into this mystery box and you've had a good experience, chances are you're going to come back for more because you want shot glasses since you got a mug the first time. And you want, oh, now you need a cup for your beer. And like what, two, two just went up for a pair on, on two for Tuesday or something like that. Right. That's cool. Um, so it makes it a fun way to piece together a collection uh, and, and keep it exciting, keep it interesting. So how much time are you spending on social media? Like, do you plan out? Is everything planned out? Or are no, you like... Nothing is planned. You're just kind of like... Well, you said you have two for Tuesday. Is that a every Tuesday thing? Do you have like your weekly like things that you do? I, I, I have a weekly regimen, but I'm also, up until two weeks ago, I'm one person running this entire business. And oh. also I'm an artist, so I, I try to like make art yeah. sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. Yeah. Um, but two weeks ago, my graphic designer of five years moved here to kind of work with me developing this and help me with a little more administrative and creative direction so that I can work on producing and mm -hmm. working with artists like you to make sure everything's con you know, continuing smoothly. Yeah, moving forward. And so he and I are talking about like a new campaign that's going to be kind of a cartoon and it might be taking over my like feed on, on Instagram. But then the deals are going to be in my story so that you're, as you're clicking, more people watch my story. When you're clicking through, you'll see. Yeah. Yeah, because you posted um, quite a bit in your stories, right? Yeah, you know, I have almost a thousand people watching my story every day. Wow. I'm not getting anywhere near that many likes or comments on my feed. Mm -hmm. so, really, I, so the stories are really helping you out a lot. In, you know, in the current iteration of Instagram, yes. But as new updates happen and as people kind of evolve with this social media stuff, it's it's really always changing. It's this nonstop changing, evolving creature. Yeah, Instagram's really I love Instagram, but it's weird sometimes. Like it's like I don't know, these algorithms or these changes, or you, you try to post something and some things are popular and some things aren't, and I don't know if that even matters, but it's just it's weird, right? It's like always changing. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a wave that you can't figure out, or like a freaking. What I believe is that if if a person is putting out original creative content and they're doing it in a in a in a way that's not just posting a picture and like a two word caption and like a dozen hashtags, you know, but an yeah. actual a real engagement, a real yeah, um, you know, like to the user, to the to the person viewing this. There's something, there's some call to action. There's something for them to do. There's something to get them thinking or, or interested in a different product, even if it's not the one I've posted. Yeah. Yeah, and, I know. I've been trying to like really think about engaging my viewers. For a while, I was like trying to really focus on writing more, like in my descriptions to really like yeah. write some interesting content. 
to tell a story or just kind of explain my thought process. And then the last week or so, I've just been like, yeah, here's my shit. <laughs> Here, I posted something today. <laughs> I, I can't deny that when I post pictures of women in bikinis or lingerie with drinkware, my numbers soar and sex sells. Yeah. What I'm working on heavily right now is making my brand intersectional and representing all kinds of gender identities and sexual orientations and ethnic and racial backgrounds, um, which is a huge challenge living in Vail, a place in Colorado that's pretty much all white heteronormative people. Mm. Um, <laughs> but in going with that sex cells, I'm trying to incorporate all different walks of life and all different kinds of people. Yeah. Um, make sure good. that it's not just like, uh, you know, objectifying women and, and that's it. Yeah. You got to get some dudes in there. <laughs> well, you haven't seen, you haven't seen the picture of Seth in his speedo, but I'll send it to you when we get off this call. Okay. I'll, I'll send it to me and I'll post it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send that one. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have fun with it, and I try to create this uh, this lifestyle through my my photography. That's not just products product stuff in a box in a light box. I mean, that's that's great for the website and Instagram, but it's also you got to see these cups in action. And, yeah, and it's, it's a lifestyle. Lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So, who are your like? Are, would you say most of your customers are people that are coming from like the the pipe connoisseur industry? Certainly most of them are, but then there's this second dynamic of uh, people who live out here in the mountains, for example, and maybe have like a really expensive wine collection or bar and want to decorate it with handmade drinkware instead of the same, the same crystal that William Sonoma or whatever, what, whatever, wherever they get it from, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of stuff out there. And when people see how unique these pieces are, um, you know, it, it creates a different engagement. Like I was saying earlier, you're hosting a dinner party and you serve out of a, a decanter that's handmade and noticeably. So it has a different experience than just pouring somebody a drink. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm sure a lot of ceramic artists that are like ceramic artists definitely have the same kind of attitude of living with our artwork and living with our friends artwork or other people's artwork and it definitely it definitely adds to your life when you have like handmade objects around you that are actually like usable like like i love drinking out of my like mugs like no, this isn't mine some of the mugs i use are these are the, my mugs that are that i use are usually my like seconds but I, it's nice to have some like not seconds from other people i'm like this is a yeah like this is freaking beautiful like i this one is a phil matthews and it's like freaking, I don't know if you can so see awesome. it, but yeah, oh, yeah. it's just like oh, yeah. freaking the way that, that that glaze just hangs right there, where it just kind of beads and just just ready to drip, but not dripping. Like, you know, the lines and the different line qualities on there. Like, the yeah, that's what that's what's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so cool about like living with handmade objects. So it's cool that you have this like, you're coming from the glass side, but it's the same i'm sure a lot of the glass people would appreciate the would, would like ceramic stuff and i know a lot of the ceramics people would like the glass stuff so i you know this is the mother of a glass blower she she weaves on a loom and i got awesome. a handmade wallet 
And, you know, it's like trying to incorporate handmade and artisanal craft into my life in as many ways as possible. Yeah. It's, it's directly supporting people who are doing what I'm doing and who are in the same boat as us. Yeah, and those objects have more meaning, and you're less likely to, like, throw it out and get a new one in a couple days or weeks or months. Because when you buy this crap that's mass-produced, it's like, oh, it's got a little chip or it's broken. I'll just throw it away instead of, like, oh, I could try to glue it or keep it. I don't know. It's, well, it's definitely know, I, nice to have the people that appreciate the handmade and, and that you're kind of servicing them and giving them an outlet. I take care of my possessions in a different way than I did as a kid when I had mass-produced stuff, you know, because that was just what was around. Yeah. But then, like, my wallet, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't go dropping that on the ground. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't pull it out of my pocket and accidentally drop it in the in the rain or something, you know? I'm, like, yeah. mind, much more mindful of my actions and behavior when I'm holding a, a mug yeah. that, you know, excellent. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that somebody made and put time into, okay, like, we have these disposable mugs here that we use in the studio, and it's, like, cool, one got kicked over today, handle broke, like, who cares, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just, it changes my whole mentality in terms of my intention and, like, my mindfulness of my daily actions. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness is really an important part of existing as a human, and I know I'm kind of, I'm 41, and I'm still kind of, you know, I feel like I've gone through some enough, I wouldn't say I, I had like a mental breakdown, but I like to call it, I had like a mental breakthrough a few months ago. And it was just like, wow, like mindfulness is a really important aspect. And we just kind of need to know where our thoughts are sometimes and realize how our thoughts impact us and impact other people and how we can control our thoughts to a certain degree and like get out of those negative head spaces. Cause I, I will sometimes get very down on myself or I'll get very negative or like I have, like, like bef- before today, like before we had this conversation, you know, we were supposed to start at nine and things happened and my things got off and like, I'm like trying to put my kids to sleep and I'm like, I feel myself like getting to that point where I'm just like, I'm going to like smother a child. I'm not going to smother a child, but you know, I'm like, oh my God, like it's 940, go to bed. Like you're, sh- you're two years old, go to bed. It's 940 at night, go to bed. And it's like, calm down. It's not a big deal. <laughs> like just mindfulness, you know. For Sorry. me, and for no, for me, and I, I think like a lot of artists, you know, there's a very fine line between a breakdown and a breakthrough. Yeah. And so, you know, we're just like hanging out on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, it could like it really could go either way. Yeah, and so, I think sometimes you know. those 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 valleys, those valleys, you know, when you get kind of low, can kind of lead to the that's the momentum you need almost to like start going up again. Like, so uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, in, so I'm not a very experienced glass blower, but I did take two semesters of glass blowing yeah. at Cal State Fullerton. And I had one semester with Joe Cariotti, who I think you, I, you know who Joe Cariotti is? Of course. Yeah. He's, Incredible. I don't even know. He's a big deal in this glass world. He is known. Yeah, except that there's such a distinction between the pipe, you know, the glass yeah, pipe yeah, yeah. world and the glass art world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, really, like, severe distinction. Yeah. Is, and, and that's diminishing over time and with legalization, but it's still uh, a wall. Apparently. A line, oh, a wall, yeah. And so, like, probably most glass blowers that make pipes know Joe Cariotti's work. 
probably most glass collectors who buy pipes aren't familiar with Joe's work. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I remember he would, he did this little thing where it was like, you know, you don't want your glass to get too hot and you don't want it to get too cold. You want to keep it right in that little middle. I'm sure this is probably like basic glass blowing to you, but for well, me, well, I mean, but I mean, I remember he said that and I was like, yeah, like, you got to keep it right in the middle. But then going back to like the breakthroughs, like to me, something's like I almost if I stay in the middle too long, I get kind of like, I mean, it's good to be in that middle spot where I'm like, I'm not too high. I'm not too low. But then sometimes I feel like I get low and then that really gives me momentum to really move forward and have those like breakthroughs. And really, like I said, the not the breakdown, but the breakthrough to like, oh, wow, like self-realizations and kind of like, wow, like the older I get, the realize the less I know about everything. And like, yeah, and I guess that's probably the good thing is just becoming more like humble and self-aware and like, you know, mindful. <laughs> Yesterday I was making this cup. Sweet. And I, it was awesome. And then like the foot wasn't perfectly flat. Oh, no. And, Unlike what what you do, but what you just mentioned, like so, this is like over a thousand degrees when I'm dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You can't just like stick your hands in there and and like put it flat. Yeah. And so I'm holding it with these claws from the top, and I'm like flashing the bottom with my flame, and then like trying to set it down to flatten it, and it just fell out of my claws and like shattered on the ground. And so I I pulled off this foot and I like remade this whole cup section oh, on top, no. and I and I like put them back together, and when I put them back together. Uh, it twisted a little bit, and so I had this like funky line right here in the stem. And so then I like took it apart again, and I like cleaned that up, and I, I, you know, and all this is like hot, and it's like you know I'm getting burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through the whole gamble, you know, it's 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 rough, and yeah, glasses and years ago I would have just said fuck it when it fell on the ground, and I I just would have been done. Yeah, I mean, in my night, and I would have been done. Yeah. Whereas now in my like. You know, having moved forward from that point, I can just like, sure, I'm, I'm screaming a bunch of obscenities and I'm like causing kind of a scene in the corner, but you're I'm moving forward. Like, I, have a, I have a cup to show for it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really cool experience uh, that glass is so humbling in that way. Yeah, I remember like, you know, I so at Cal State Fullerton where I went, the ceramics department and the glass department were like interconnected. So it was like the same building in the art department it was the same building so the glass blowers were right by the kilns that we used the gas kilns and like we'd be out there and we'd kind of watch them and i remember like watching them you know they were like always so into it and so intense and you know you go to ceramics people are intense but people are a little more like you know talking and conversating then i took glass and you realize like yeah in glass blowing you can't like wrap you can't be like okay i'm done for the day i'm gonna wrap it up in plastic and put it on my shelf and like go home and come back tomorrow and work on it and glass it's like no like you're pretty much like you're working on this piece until it's done and i know you can put it in the an oven or the annealer but right. still it's like you're in the moment and it's like you got to pee well hold it because you're working right now and yeah, it's very very di it's very similar to ceramics in some ways but it's so different in ceramics in so many ways it's just it's well, an incredible it's an incredible mate material and process the fact that you're with ceramics working on this like cylindrical and kind of circle axis right and you're like spinning yeah so that, that's very similar and if you apply that's... pressure down here you're gonna kind of yeah it'll, i mean you can anticipate where your movements would go yeah same thing with tooling glass and with gravity and and all that yeah it's it's <laughs> going from like have you have you done ceramics 
only like super minimal you know yeah yeah like yeah i think like glass blowing and ceramics like or like glass blowing and then like throwing on a potter's wheel like there seems to be similarities but geez it's so different the the process and I'll like show the you fact little... that you can't touch it with your hands in glass, like you can't physically put your hands on it. You can only use tools. Whereas ceramics is all about like hands. And... Right. So Rob's got this extension between the glass and where he's actually like holding it. But he can't stick his hands at that end part that's all hot and no. floppy and like manipulate it. It's yeah. Two, two three thousand degrees. <laughs> And so, like, I've got these lathes. Yeah. Right? And I, I, I can use those to spin the glass and then spray my torches at it to melt it while it's spinning on these big lathes. Wow. And I'll, let me step over here so I can give you kind of a view. I mean, this is raw material over here. Each of those is a case of different uh, size tubing. Uh-huh. Wow. Tubing and rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've just got just all different sizes over here, pre-measured. Um, yeah and kind of here's a here's a studio shot right you got the two lathes and then three three benches over here we all share this pretty large kiln here scut scut yep yeah ceramics ceramic artists love their scuts oh yeah top of the line Scut makes scut makes good stuff and then this is you know so we run these torches on gas so this is oxygen and we have propane outside and the two of those, you know, create this flame right here. And how hot is that flame? You said 3,000 degrees? The flame is like four to 5,000. And the molten glass is like, uh, you know, two to 2,500. And then we've got cold working, which gets very similar to ceramics. Yes. In that I have a lapidary wheel. Yep. It's so not that different than a potter's wheel. <laughs> but then, yeah, this is basically a potter's wheel, except it'll grind down the glass. Yeah. So I, can, I can facet or make lips or whatever. Yeah, so on my, uh, on my, uh, I like polish my bottoms and stuff. And polishing my bottoms, it's very similar to... Yep. Like, I have my piece put on the wheel. I have my piece of pottery put on the wheel, and I just use different pads, but... Same. When I, I did not, that, yeah. I did that when I started polishing it. I was like, this is just like this is just like cold working in, in glass when I did, took glass. 100%. It's just polished those. Got, and then yeah. we've got a sandblaster just for, you know, like etching or like images or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, we keep that room separated and ventilated because you don't want to breathe that stuff in. Yeah. So this is just for now you share this with other artists, this space? Or this is my just... this is my personal studio and I rent it out to different people who want to do their own stuff here. That's awesome. And then So that's all your equipment? Well, Rob has his own torch over here, but uh -huh. like the kiln, the lays, the ventilation, the, the cold working, that's all my stuff. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and then those cool toys you got there, Ben. It's it's the uh what what do you call this the like the you know the boys uh the clubhouse or something yeah uh, the man cave the man cave that's what I got here yeah I'm sure women can blow glass there too if plenty have sure and so you know it's just like that's we're way beyond capacity we have we have so much drinkware in inventory you know i'm i'm buying glass almost every day uh i'm i'm selling glass virtually every day uh glass you know ceramics wood whatever yes yeah. 
mostly I'd glass, say, right? I say glass because yeah, that really you can see here. That's really the majority of what's in inventory. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, this this is just you know, like I said, about fifty different artists of of artwork. So this is the stuff that's in your that's in your uh, shop right now. Yeah, this is all available for sale. That's in your inventory. inventory right there. And there's, I mean, like here's some of yours down here. There's Tupperwares full of cups, frankly. I mean, there's, it, <laughs> you know, it's just cups everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And we drink out of, like I was saying, mostly handmade cups as well. That's cool. Um, and, you know, here's gun cases full of cups. This is a box of cups, you know. There's gun cases full of cups? Yeah, that's Hell how yeah. I travel with them. So when the feds come, they want your gun to be like, I swear they're just cups. Yeah. <laughs> I swear and it's just cups. This is, uh, you know, kind of similar to the one I showed you with the stem, but this would, this is like my work, you know, when I actually have time to make art. Yeah. Um, and I can, I'll send you a picture of this too, to have as like a, as a sure. resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, um, but those so are, at this yeah. point, would you consider yourself like an artist or are you more of like an art dealer at this point? Well, yeah. Um, yeah yes yeah, I <laughs> yes mean, to both I, I i once heard a quote i think it was in the documentary degenerate art that i was referencing and it was like you know this guy like basically said he, he blows glass to like support his art addiction which i'm like very obviously addicted to art okay yeah. like i'm either buying or trading art every single day of my life and, and when you have the time I'm, to play you make art <laughs> And if I can make art, I make art, you know, and if I, I mean, like any, my whole life, I'm really surrounded by art and I'm super blessed and and grateful for that situation. That's Um, awesome. So it's kind of just like what's become my top priority in life. And so am I an art dealer or like an artist? I mean, like, look, yeah, you know, I definitely, it's no question that I spend more of my time as a handling the business side of art versus making, creating and like being an artist. So do you mostly work at night? Like, do you work on your like art, uh, drinking vessels during the day? And then is it, is it at night when you get the time to work on your own stuff or is it just, do you get your stuff in whenever you can or what? I mean, so the privilege of being my own boss and of like, sure, I have a job. Drinking vessels is my job. Running this company is my job. But like I, at the end of the day, I live here in Vail, and if I wake up and there's a foot of snow, I'm snowboarding, and I don't, and yeah, and like, and, you know, and like then I'm either selling art or making art or napping on the couch, like yeah, you know, and it's so summertime. I definitely blow glass more at night because of how hot it is. Oh yeah. So we have that element. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm like, unfortunately bound by these societal, like, structures where the post office is only open. Oh, yeah. During certain yeah. times. I can only go to the grocery, like, certain times or, like, restaurants. And yeah. I live in a very remote area, so we have, you know, very oh, yeah. resources. And we don't have, like, a late night. You can't, 2 a.m., you're hungry. I used to live in Manhattan. I'd walk down and get a slice of pizza. Like, here, you you know, might as well go outside and like hunt an animal. Cause yeah, they don't have a what's it called? Like we don't have a twenty-four hour bodega. Yeah, well, it's not Uber Eats, but it's yeah, yeah. We don't we, have I, that stuff out there. 
I'm sure there's something, but it's just it's not. It's yeah. Not, but you know, so. yeah, they charge you a freaking way too much. Yeah, um, we, cook, we cook here at the shop, and I try to spend as many hours as I can just here at the shop, whether I'm blowing glass or working or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. Is the is the shop far from your house? Between 15 and 20 minutes, so, okay. you know, depending on if it's snow to foot or not. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's not too far. No, it's chill. Reasonable. I mean, and it's oh so, yeah. So if you work at if you work late at night, you're not like oh no, I have like a hour on a windy mountain road or something. Nah, no, nah, it's not too. Just bad. 15 minutes on a mountain road, or <laughs> is it all mountainy roads where you are, or is it all? Yeah, I mean, basically you've got I-70, which is like the only major corridor and then these little towns off the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's actually very well maintained when weather becomes an issue, but look, if there's a rock slide or an avalanche, like you're stuck. We have one road and it's closed and that, that's just what we deal with out here. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. Uh, it is. Yeah. I guess it is what it is. Um, so who as an artist, as a, not a, as an artist, who is your like biggest who are your favorite artists or who are your biggest influences as an artist? Wow. Um, you know, it's it's wild. Like my most desired piece of art for my personal collection. I, I have a I'm an avid art collector myself, mm-hmm. except from this business. Uh I, I, I'm dying to own a Keith Herring original. And uh and he's like, you know, definitely he, he'd be my favorite two D artist, I would say. Um do you have a favorite contemporary artist that's not a vessel vessel maker? So um, I'm I'm really into um, let's see, you kind of caught me a little off guard here, so I'm gonna have to think about Sorry. it. So uh, I'm, I'll come, I'm, I'll, I'll come back to it if you want. Yeah, no, I mean I, I could definitely list a couple of glass blowers. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my teacher goes by Huffy H U F F Y Huffy Glass out of Indiana and he's one of my favorite glass artists of whether it's pipes or cups or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, banjo is probably like one of the most popular, if not the most popular pipe maker. Banjo. Banjo. Okay. And he's really been pushing the boundaries of the medium. Cool. Um, and then like from a Venetian goblet standpoint, you've got these guys like Robert Mickelson and then beyond him, like Cesare, these Italian guys who have really taken Venetian goblet making to its highest or like pinnacle experience. Cool. Yeah. I still have some friends that are in the glass that are kind of glass blowing, but doing the fine art glass blowing thing that I'll, I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to like tell them to, Hey, listen to this podcast because we talk about glass. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm actually, I'm really into Jen Stark's work. Um, She's a contemporary artist that's based in LA currently. I, I got in touch with her and did like an art trade and she, she sent me an artist print that's pretty large and I sent her like an assortment of kind of like glass things I had made. Um, and, and I, I really, I like to trade a lot. I'm much more into that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always, you know, that's kind of always something I'm pursuing with artists. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, my, my one of my really good friends who's done a lot of the painting in my studio is this guy named Wigged Out Art, and he's kind of taken a a contemporary art, like a painting 2D take on the pipe art motifs, mm-hmm. and that is really appealing to me because I'm also taking like these motifs and putting them into a different kind of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so, I don't know, he's become a really good th friend through working together and uh, and he's an artist that I, I collect and totally. Cool, yeah, I'll try to put in, I'll put images of all these people. I cool. just told myself, I, I just said it on here, so I have to do it now. So, so I'll, then, put, I'll try to find images of these guys and try to add them to the podcast because it sounds really interesting. I'm yeah, excited to check them out. I can send you links. I mean, I'd say one of my best selling and kind of my most unique artists that I represent is this guy called Salt, and he's from Austin, Texas. And he creates these characters that have like teeth and eyeballs and just like really uh, human esque features. Mm -hmm. But in character or a monster or creature kind of a way. But they're cups? They're cups. Well, if yeah. a person sees them, they don't really even realize that it's like glass or that glass could be made into something like this. Oh, wow. Um, which is just like so gruesome and like realistic. It's sometimes unexpected for people who, who have a yeah. different preconceived notion of glass. Yeah, definitely. This would be like, you can see the evolution. This one was from 2010. Oh, wow. Is it like a fish or something? Is it like a fish? Yeah, I mean, they're like all a, just like... Kind of zombie up. fish or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he's, cool. he's one of the most popular artists that I'm working with, um, and that's selling regularly for me, and kind of one of the more highly desired artists. And that's what's, back to a prior question, that's really fueled... Uh, artists like him that are on board have really fueled this following of people who are, you know, really in interested in cup collecting and um, just having all different kinds. So what, being a glass blower, I imagine you probably had some good, uh, have you had some good burns and good injuries that you can, some good cuts and injuries and burns that you yeah. can talk about? Because <laughs> that's yeah, kind of an yeah. ongoing question I've been asking. It's, I, you probably can't really see it, but like my skin right here, I just like caught an, a hot end of a tube that fell out of a lathe. Is that recently or is that a scar? I no, no, no. It. This is a scar from like years ago, like five yeah. years ago yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. I see it. I mean, dude, it just, it just fell out and just like sat there and just like burned me. <laughs> um, and then just, just 20 minutes ago, I had to get something out of my kiln. And I, I'm actually not sure what temperatures you use for ceramics, but my, my kiln's at 1,050. 1,050 is pretty low. I mean, we're not usually opening the kiln at 1,050. But, like, usually, so ceramics, like cone 10, which is, like, the higher end of what most people are firing, that's, like, 2,350-something. That's, like, cone 10. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, like, the... That's about as I mean, people go past that, but cone ten, so like, which is, as a reference, just is like for the for the non-maker people or like the not familiar people, your yeah. oven home that you cook a pizza in is like three to four hundred degrees. Yeah, five hundred so, max. Right, like you stick your arm in the oven to get your pizza, like that's that's pretty fucking pretty hot. Pretty hot. Yeah. Okay, so a thousand fifty is not pleasant. No, 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 no. And no, so I remember in glass blowing, opening the opening the kiln to put the things in. It's like, hold your breath. Ooh, okay, did it. Yeah, and your whole body like absorbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so ceramic artists that do there's a process called raku. Have you ever heard of raku? I have. Ceramic. Yeah. Yeah. So people that do raku know exactly what you're talking about. Because in raku we're opening the kiln at like 15, 16, 1700 degrees. Oh yeah. And it's but like usually usually you have some kind of some kind of safety equipment. You should have at least, you know, at least a pair of safety glasses and a pair of gloves. So Kevlar is like my protective layer yeah. and I'll wear like sleeves and gloves. Yeah. 
and I didn't have them on because I was just grabbing something out of the kiln. And then just real quick, yeah. Well, my buddy opened the kiln door, and I stuck my arm in, and I had a complete change of mind and like burned the shit out of my arm and had like say, you know, it's it's like a daily occurrence with yeah. You know, what really frightens me or like what, what really gets me kind of freaked out is cutting myself. Yeah. Like on a sharp edge of glass. Mm-hmm. So in my studio, I am adamant and like sometimes even like over the top about polishing your tips so that you don't accidentally grab or so that I don't accidentally grab your sharp end. Um, and so I like make everybody who works here polish their tips and some people get pissed off at me because it's kind of annoying. Nobody wants to get cut. Yeah, when I unload my students' work in the high school, sometimes there are glaze drips at the bottom. So sometimes, like, you'll have, like, a glaze drip right here at the bottom. And Uh that's, like, the glaze is pretty much glass, more or less. And, yeah, those little sharp things will be, right, those little grab a cup and the bottom. I've got so many cuts on my hands. Like, little cuts. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're not that bad. But, yep. Like, I don't know the kiln sometimes, and it's usually student work that I'm cutting myself on, and it's, then I'll, like, take it out, and I'll be like, hey, careful, that piece has needs to get ground, and then a kid will grab it. I'll be like, oops, sorry, and then they're bleeding, and I'm like, I got Band-Aids. Sorry, yeah. kids. Yeah, we got, like, we got a first aid kit with some, yeah. you know, some stuff. Rub some dirt on it, yeah. Um, have you had any, uh, so I know you said you had a piece that you kind of lost, you lost, but you saved. Have you had any other big like disasters of just like Oh yeah. <laughs> like any 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 like significant ones that stand out as like a a lot of work or Yeah, you know, clay is a four letter word and glass might as well be. It's yeah. Got it. Like shit, man. One time I was working in my teacher's store back when I was in college and I like pulled a piece out of the case and just totally shattered this piece, you know, because it bumped <laughs> on something and it was like a few hundred dollar piece. Oh. You know, there's also, I, I, I've broken one very expensive piece in shipping. Um, oh. Certainly in the five years, I've had like a few things break in shipping, but one of them was this Venetian goblet that was um, really marvelous, and I, I totally fucked up on packing it. Can I ask how much it, how much it was? Or Yeah, I mean, it sold on my website for somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000. Oh. And um, it oh. was actually... It was actually made by a very good friend of mine in collaboration with the artist who runs the um, he runs the glass studio at Corning in New York. Oh wow! And I just had the privilege of meeting him this weekend for the first time. But previous to that, our track record was that he gave me this piece on consignment, and I shipped it to the client, and it shattered. <laughs> you're that guy. <laughs> a good start. But oh, you're that drinking vessels guy. I remember you. Learn how to. <laughs> the two of them remade the piece and shipped it out to the guy. And I actually still have a note on my dry erase board to make him. It's been a year or two, and I'm going to make him something really nice. But I just want it to be when I actually have the time to put the thought into it to make him the right piece. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good. Yeah, two thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, did are you using your phone right now, or are you using a computer? I'm on an iPad. Uh, do you have your phone? Yeah, I sent you. A, I mean, I don't know if it's easier for you to read it. I know I'm a visual person, so. But I, I just texted you uh, the question, the listener questions I got. So the first thing is uh, from Shana Saloff, who was my guest, who's going to be on the, who's be my last guest, who 
it hasn't come out yet, but it'll be the one before you. She asked, uh, what's the main thing you look for in a cup? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, there's, there's a couple different factors here. Primarily, and what's most important, is the overall proportions and size and does it meet the criterion of the cup style that it's, you know, the family that it's a part of. So a typical shot glass is an ounce and a half. And a double shot could let's could be up to three ounces. Uh, you know, if you give me a cup that's half an ounce and you tell me it's a shot glass and and that's like how I'm trying to market and sell it, I can't I can't really do that. Um, and so similarly, a pint glass is 16 ounces, right? I mean, if you sell me a cup that's 13 ounces, it doesn't quite. Not a pint glass. <laughs> it's not a pint glass. And then like if a if a customer has that free that proper conception that it would be one that would be 16 ounces and they pour their beer and it like spills over the top that that's a problem so primarily the cup has to meet the specifications that are in its its classification so what are the like so i make coffee mugs so what what are the what are the like from your end what's the like ounce what what's how many ounces should my mugs be I recently had a I recently had a, a situation with a client who had different expectations than what I had, uh, based on the definition of a teacup and a mug, and and just we didn't fully communicate on this custom order, and so I'm remaking some of them because they were smaller than his, you know. So I believe what he told me was that, and I got to look this up. Maybe a cup and a half is uh, is a mug. Like twelve ounces. Is a cup eight ounces? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so like so like twelve ounces might be like the threshold um, for a mug, but a teacup would be smaller than that, and an espresso cup would be smaller than even a teacup. Um, what's most important about a mug is that the handle and the connection points of the handle to the actual mug are proper, because those are the points that are going to break down. The points of contact like that are where you're going to oh, have just the attachment points being well constructed. And then the proportions of weight of the handle to the cup so that it's not tipping over and so that it's not side heavy. Balanced. Right. And then lastly, ergonomics. So a mug is something you're going to use every day. A Venetian goblet is something that's going to sit on your mantle, you know, for display. We're talking about these like fine Italian style goblets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I don't care about a Venetian goblet, like how easy it is to like hold it and drink out of it, because that's not the point. Right. But a mug or a shot glass or, you know, something of this nature, it's really important that this is comfortable to hold and that it fits in the hands. There's a lot of discussion on curved versus flat handles for mugs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I have a firm commitment to one or the other in that argument. However, it has to feel comfortable in my hands. I have to be able to hold it and drink out of it without discomfort or concern for breakage or something like that. Yeah, and that's hard because we're all different shapes and sizes. You know, somebody that's six foot four with big, strong, you know, man hands, mm-hmm. and then uh, a, a woman that's five foot one and 105 pounds. I don't want to offend anybody, no. but, you know, their hands and their cups, they're going to want a different kind of cup. And then, I mean, there's always like the one, there's the debate I have when I'm making stuff. It's always like, is it, do I want to, am I doing a one finger handle? Am I doing two finger, three finger? I tend to do what I, what I like, 
which I like. I personally like one finger handles. For okay. me, I like, and I realized that not everybody likes one finger handles. So I had to kind of be like, oh, I need to kind of like diversify my handles because. And that's what's great for me as a marketplace is that you sent me like four or five Rubik's Cube cups. Yeah. And all of them have slightly different handle shapes. Yeah. And one person is going to, you know, somebody messaged me like, do they all have that goofy handle? Because they saw a picture of one of them. Yeah. Like what's goofy to one person might be somebody else's exact shape. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So there, it's, there's it's so like many different. Great, it's great to have variety and it's, it's great. But what's most important is like those contact points where it's where you connect the handle to the mug. It's less about the shape of the handle. So sort of. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, but, that's a, that was a lot of good insight about yeah, cups and handles. And ergonomics are huge because people are using these things. And so yeah. function is very important. Yeah, it has to feel good. Yeah. Because yeah, mugs are, I mean, people love coffee or tea, whatever, but they drink their coffee or tea every, I mean, that's part of your life on a daily basis. And yep. some people use the same mug every day. And then when I'm at work, I have the same like one or two mugs I use. At home, I have a rotation, but yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of like you were saying before about the, you know, do people have at their dinner parties are they drinking wine out of handmade glasses or they made it to make them out of you know just mass produced? So definitely, uh, ceramic artists are definitely big time mug and cu cup collectors. This is one that's from Five Lines Pottery Studio. She said, can you describe your favorite ever drinking cup that you've ever had? Yeah. So I don't have it here because I'm at the studio and I keep mm -hmm. my personal collection at the house. Yeah. Um, I frankly just don't have any more room here. Yeah. So this is a cup design from a friend of mine named Stephen Pierce. Wow. And this is actually his latest cool. mug. The handle right here is hollow. And so the liquid would drain kind of yeah. like up and through. He's a pipe maker. So he's a pipe maker, and this is kind of a traditional bubbler shape. Yeah. And you could imagine like a Sherlock mouthpiece coming off of here and like the bowl right here. Yeah, there, yeah, 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 right? yeah. And he's just adapted that into this badass mug style. That's really cool. Um, and so I own one of these that he made with our friend Salt that I met, that I referenced. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's got kind of like eyeballs and a face, kind of a character carved into the body of it. But the the... Um, the handle over here has these indents for each of your fingers going down the inside. And frankly, it's my favorite mug to hold. It's huge. Uh, so it can hold, you know, plenty of liquid and you don't have to refill it all the time. And these are, I, I think this product line is like my favorite design. Yeah, um, well, that's a really cool mug. That's a really cool form. And like the handle... And I love the colors and like the little black outlines. So like here's another one where he did a collaboration. And so we've got a friend named Todd who what? does this wood grain, what? right? So this is still that hollow handle where the liquid goes. And it's this yeah. bad mug, but it's, it's, and it's that same similar shape, but it's just yeah. a totally different technique. It's amazing. And then I've got one more of them, which was a collaboration with our friend from Arizona, Ryan Jacobson. Yeah. And so this one's got the full rainbow pattern drawn. Is that like with Marinis or? No, it's actually drawn with little stringers. And wow. you flip it inside out to get the magnification of each of these little patterns. 
So it's drawn right. on the inside with clear glass over it? Uh, it's drawn over clear, and then you, like, flip the clear inside out to cover the color. Oh, okay. It's a pretty advanced technique. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay, and never mind. This section right here is, like, the artist's biggest section ever. Oh, wow. Oh, because like he's doing that most, on pipes? Most of his sections would be, like, this big. Wow. And that's and all drawn with stringers. It's just all drawn with stringers. Wow. Like, tiny little threads of glass. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. Wow. Um, so... Like, th again, this is that same kind of mug shape. It's my favorite design of a product. But it's cool that he showcases or features a different artist on each one. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, yeah, and then, frankly, I, I like stemless cups. I think stemless cups are less likely to get knocked over. Or oh, broke. yeah. Yeah. They're sturdy. Do you drink – do you um... – so with the glass mugs, do do they hold the heat pretty well? Like compared yeah. to like a ceramic mug for like coffee or something? So there's two different kinds of glass and uh -huh. there's soft glass like you did in college. And then mm -hmm. there's borosilicate is a brand name for Pyrex or Pyrex is a brand mm -hmm. name. Right. And, and that's what you're doing, right? With the, with the this lathe is what and we stuff. Do. So it's borosilicate glass. It's flame worked. That's like the name of the process. Mm -hmm. um, and it's scientific glass so this is what's used in chemistry departments for beakers and test tubes and stuff like that yeah um borosilicate glass will retain heat and can expand you know can deal with heat in a way that soft glass cannot oh okay so where you might have breakage in soft glass you don't have that issue you can imagine like a chemistry reaction happening inside of a test tube right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the glass isn't going to break even if you have heating up yeah yeah, yeah yeah the acids yeah. and stuff exactly cool uh, that that was my like very formal technical you know scientific explanation no yeah but that makes sense the yeah the soft glass and the borosilicate and it's different it's like earthenware and stoneware for us ceramic artists it's like yep yes they're in the same family but they're slightly different and they have different qualities and characteristics and yeah yes. this has been like really interesting like kind of that was really why I, when you when you said you wanted to you would be willing to talk. I was excited because I was like, you have a different perspective and a different kind of. It's like ceramics and glass are like cousins. It's like they're so similar, but they're so different. But there's so yeah. many similarities in the processes and the well. I guess there's a lot of similarities in the materials and the equipment, like a kiln and a furnace, and you know they're not that much different. But the you know it's cool that we're like in the same kind of. Uh, genre but different and we can kind of learn from each other and steal each other's ideas and i'm trying to think like how can i take these like mystery box ideas you have and like apply them to what i'm doing but i don't know if anyone yeah, my mystery box but it's so cool to like have this different perspective so i mean part cool. of part of what's so successful with those mystery boxes like i was saying earlier is the fact that it's a guaranteed deal it's a better deal than retail yeah and I don't know if people would be as into purchasing the mystery style if they knew that they were paying the same amount as if they just chose it off the website. Yeah. I also don't have success selling mystery boxes for a thousand dollars. Whereas some of the drinkware that I sell could go up to like $5,000 for a cup. Wow. And so, right. Nobody's no, nobody that I know is willing to spend $5,000 blind on a cup. Yeah. 
but they would definitely spend fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. Yeah, because it's not such a it's not such a risk. Yeah, because the mystery box is kind of gambling, right? It's a gamble. like. Didn't they have a thing where they were like, because so the mystery box comes from what other? I know you said they do it in the glass in the in the pipe industry, but I've heard the mystery box thing before. What else is the? Are they doing mystery box and other? like sales things you know they've got these uh i don't know what to call this like group of businesses but right it's like a subscription-based business you you pay monthly oh yeah yeah, yeah. and then like at the first of every month you get a package that's like you know comic books or pro wrestling or anime and, and 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 some swag and like merch and yeah okay so like you don't know exactly what you're getting, but you definitely know it's going to be in this certain theme or... Yeah, and you're probably going to get more stuff than you expected. Yeah, and, and so I'm working on a subscription service where, like, let's say it's a mug club, okay? And, like, once a month you're going to get a mug. But from my perspective, if you commit to this 12-month mug purchase, by by month 10 or 11, I'm going to be throwing in free coasters and free bandanas. And, you, yeah. like, you're going to get stuff. hooked up more than some guy who just buys a couple months on my website. Yeah. You've, you've locked in and I know your, your, I know your purchase is, is happening. Yeah. It's cool. That's, that's more valuable to me. Um, than kind of waiting and wondering if somebody's going to buy. Yeah. I do a lot of that. <laughs> so, you know, like I feel like most ceramics artists prior to the ones that I'm carrying, like you mostly selling on Etsy maybe selling at their local craft show or their yeah. you know, market or something like that. Yeah. Um, and frankly, within within the pottery scene, you've got kind of these generic cups and mugs that are just kind of standards. Mm-hmm. I'm hunting out the, the, the totally standout, one-of-a-kind um, – artists like yourself and Melissa Beth, the, the other ceramics artists I carry primarily. Cool. I'm, looking for, I'm looking for that kind of thing. That's way, you're never going to see this stuff on Etsy. Right. And tell me if I'm wrong, but Etsy seems like the biggest marketplace for ceramics. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are on Etsy. I don't think that Etsy is necessarily driving the ceramic sales. I think a lot of ceramic artists, at least a lot of the ones that in my, like, for me and other people kind of that I associate with or interact with on Instagram, some of them use Etsy and some of them use their own websites. And I feel like the social media is what's driving the sales and Etsy is just an easy, it's easy for people to set up an Etsy shop. Uh, if you don't have a website or you don't already have that yep. set up, like Etsy's pretty much like just kind of follow the prompts and upload your work and, um, but definitely a lot of people are using Etsy, but I don't know if Etsy is really pushing a lot of new people or like, I don't think like new people going on to Etsy as a ceramic artist that you're going to get a lot of sales from Etsy. Like you need to push the sales on your own or yep. through your own social media. And it's just a funnel and it's just a, Etsy is just the checkout, I think for the most, for a lot of people and Etsy okay. takes their percentage. But if you have your own website, you're paying to, set, to do your paying, you know, e-commerce fees anyway. So yeah. I guess if you get to the point where you're making more sales on a monthly basis and it's cheaper to have your own website than Etsy taking their chunk every month, then right. that's when you make the change. Or if you already 
I don't know. I keep thinking about getting off of Etsy, but at the same time, I'm not really selling enough to justify paying a, a monthly or annual fee to have e-commerce to my own website. But I don't know, maybe, maybe one day I'll keep, I'll keep making shit either way. You know, so yeah, we're about an hour and 10 minutes in. So cool. why don't I, uh, it's probably about the last question I got. Um, do you want to kind of just give us your kind of plugs for your, uh, your website and how people yeah. can get a hold of you or. Yeah, definitely. So my Instagram is drinking vessels. You can see as much of the inventory as we have live at drinkingvessels.com, And then, um, you know, random specials that get posted to let's say my Facebook page or on the website, you know, there's always, I'm always popping in Easter eggs here and there. Yeah. But Instagram is really where there's like daily kind of interaction. And yeah. And you can make purchases every day on Instagram. Yeah, and you post and you do a lot in your stories. So yeah, you yeah. Know, your your stories to... are fun and interesting. I like the kind of I kind of like the like I I know when I see your stories, it's like okay, like you're not just posting like like there's some content and intent behind what you're doing. So it's it's kind of fun to see what you're doing. And there's one more thing I forgot to talk about. We were going to talk about the Cubs. So uh, what's your so um, I know I posted something about the Cubs. So my background is, is that my dad grew up outside of, my, my dad grew up 10 blocks, 12 blocks from Wrigley Field and he's 83. So he was there back in the day and I'm from Southern California, but I've been brainwashed as a child. So what's your, uh, how, how are you a Cubs fan? Yeah. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and my dad also grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and he uh, ingrained in me from a very early age how important the Cubs were. How old are you? And I was born in 1990. Okay, so so you remember so Sammy I, Sosa, right? So the, the Sammy the summer child, of Sammy Sosa, you were eight. We had promise, you know. We like we we were like competitive, you know, but it just never it never happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. obviously, we got one when I was an adult. Yeah, but uh, you know, be, being raised as a Cubs fan is just this like continuing disappointment. Like you're just used to being let down. Yeah. And, uh, and yes, that was, that was my whole childhood and bears, bulls. Okay. Like, yeah, that's important too. I mean, I grew up with the bulls in the nineties. You couldn't. Yeah. You got spoiled. I, it was, it was yeah. You grew up Michael Jordan. Yeah. Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. Like, yeah. The whole, the whole. Tony Cook, man. Yeah. Horace Grant, Steve Kerr, but the, PJ Armstrong, know, Bill Cartwright, Luke my dad, my dad was more in. He'd take me to a bunch of games when I was growing up, but he was more into the Cubs, I think, yeah. than any other. Any of the other. Yeah. It's just a saga, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. I uh, I got my I got my cut. My little four year old, like we're here in Southern California, and I just started him in like T ball. It's not like T ball, like not playing a game. It's just more like practice once a week, where they're just kind of learning the fundamentals. And it's funny, everybody has like Angels and Dodgers stuff on, and we roll up with our Cub stuff, and they're just like who the fuck is this guy? And I'm like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Yeah. yeah, that's me. I've always been the, I've always been the weirdo. I've always been the one that everybody likes the Dodgers and I like the Cubs and everybody likes the Lakers and I like the Bulls and everybody likes the Raiders and the Rams and I like the Bears. And I just got so used to being like the contrarian that it just got to be so much of just like, yeah, it's actually fun to kind of be different sometimes. But then sometimes I'm kind of like, man, everybody's like talking about their team and like the last three years, whatever the Dodgers have been in the World Series, and 
or two or three years they win the World Series, and I'm always Dodger fans, and I'm like, I'm rooting for you guys, and I'm just like, you guys suck. Like, what's wrong with you guys? But yeah, yeah, but that's cool. That's cool that uh, you know, the Cubs won, and the Cubs are. Yeah. I'm so happy for my dad, who's like 83 now. I was 81 when they won it. And my whole family in Chicago was like Cubs fans. So it was kind of cool to like get that get that win and get that monkey off their back. And hopefully they have a they, – I think they have a chance this year. You know, we'll see We'll see what happens. We'll they, see. They, play, they got some good players. They're in first place. They're a half a game up right now or a game up. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited about the Bears. So we'll see. So cool. Well, yeah. on that, I'll uh, like a you know like a different kind of perspective for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, part of it is just like talking about our our lives and our lives how it relates to art and stuff like that. So, cool. Well, I'm gonna stop recording and I will see you on the other side of this. So, thanks for listening to Clay is a four letter word, and uh, thanks again to my guest Ben Belgrad, aka Drinking Vessels. There'll be links below or on the screen right now or I screened a minute ago so cool alright thanks hey thanks for watching or listening to my conversation with Ben Belgrad uh, it was I find it interesting to get different perspectives, kind of people that live with or in the world of ceramics and clay. Um, this is a big part of our lives. Um, it's the biggest one of the biggest things in my life is being a ceramic artist and being a ceramic teacher. But just like everybody else, I deal with a lot of stuff, and I've dealt with some depression recently. And uh, I kind of realize sometimes I go on these little tangents on the on the podcast and uh, make myself a little vulnerable. But I think that's part of uh, Kind of why I'm doing this is trying to put myself out there. So, uh, anyways, if you're liking what you're listening to or watching, I hope you can subscribe on Spotify or Stitcher or iTunes or whatever uh, platform you're listening to it on. Or if you're on YouTube, if you subscribe and leave comments and rate it, all that stuff I guess is important. I'm not making any money off this. It's just kind of something I'm doing, kind of for fun and to reconnect. But I am on a bunch of those. Uh, you know, podcast platforms. Uh, I'm still got a bunch of stickers I'm giving away. So if you want a sticker, one of these clay is a four letter word stickers. Um, all you gotta do is direct message me on Instagram at clay is a four letter word. And I'm happy to send them out to you. Just uh, ask that you subscribe and comment. But if you just send me an address, I'll send them out either way. I'm not going to check. And then another cool announcement I have is that this weekend, well, today is uh, Monday, the 5th and then this friday i will be on my inst on my etsy i will be putting out a uh, pre-order for some t-shirts i'm making so i'll be making a t-shirt that is my uh clay's a four-letter word logo with uh the kind of explicit lyrics style uh that'll be a t-shirt and then i'm gonna have a second t-shirt available too that's gonna be kind of similar but a little bit different um and those will be pre-order on friday and i'll have a pre-order up for a couple weeks and hopefully by early september i'll be shipping them out um anyways thanks again to ben belgrad and at drinking vessels or drinkingvessels.com for being my guest and my wife and kids for putting up with me and allowing me to kind of do this 
Uh, next Tuesday, I'll have another episode. So make sure you, uh, I'm sure everybody's listening, listening to this on Tuesday morning, right when it comes out. Um, follow me at Clay's a Four Letter Word or at Ryan Reich Ceramics on Instagram. My name is Ryan Reich. Thanks again for hanging out with me and Ben today on Clay's a Four Letter Word. Cool. Peace.